For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Well, good morning, New Jersey, and welcome. It is Thursday, November 19th, 2020. This is the Jim Gerhardt Podcast. I'm Bob Williams, along with our host, Jim Gerhardt. And Jim, before we get going, it's a big day in New Jersey history. On this date back in 1993, Interstate 287, the missing link, 20-mile stretch, opened up for real back on this date in 1993, completing the entire uh, highway system throughout New Jersey. How about that, huh? Well, be still my beating heart. Uh, I, 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 you know, th- that is probably something of great significance to people in the northern part of New Jersey. Oh, yes. Yeah. Us, us Hicks down here in the south, we're saying, now, where is that road? Where, well, actually, you know, I, w- I went to that. I'm such a highway geek. That's my life. I went to the uh, highway opening. I was there out on the on the highway with Governor Jim Florio back uh, on this date back in 1993, and they opened up the highway. And actually, now I was doing a little bit of uh, research on that. That really changed the way truckers uh, use the uh, highway system here in New Jersey. That's where the beginning of all of that local truck traffic through uh, Flemington, uh, through uh, Pennington, all the way up through Flemington, mm-hmm. 202 and 31 and uh, and 206. Truckers uh, found out real fast, hey, I can beat that turnpike toll and save myself about 30 or 40 bucks a run. If I don't have to go the turnpike to the GW Bridge, I can just use the local roads up to I-287 and bypass the whole Megillah of the, uh, the, the, tri- the, the, um, the metropolitan area. So it was a big, uh, big day. So, um, we haven't had too many highway openings since then. So I figured I'd bring that up to you. How you doing? But, you know, the crisis that that precipitated because right after that, as I recall, uh, the Whitman administration had banned traffic by any truck 20 feet wide or more on route 31, for example, these access routes to that. Yes. And so that caused quite a problem because the trucks could not do what you have just suggested that this opened path for them to do. And so we went through a big flap about that for a while until they rescinded that uh, that restriction. Yep. So um, your, uh, your, our, our, uh, our lead today here on the podcast, um, well, technically we do not have a, uh, <laughs> a new president and uh, looks like we, we have one, but we hasn't been acknowledged yet by the other party. And you're you're wondering, has uh, the Trump people gone too far on this? Explain what you well, what you, I, I, no, I think this is more personal. I know the Trump, uh, the whole family, especially the president, of course, have been accused of outrageous behavior, which is one of the difficulties they had. Uh, I saw a story this morning and I, I think maybe this is carrying outrageous behavior way beyond any acceptable point. And I just wonder if this is the last nail in the, uh, the box for the Trump dynasty. Uh, and get this now, th- this is huge. A, uh, a publication called the Daily Mail, which I'm not familiar with, but it, presumably it is a, a mainstream publication, published a report. And I, I've got to use a, a, a naughty word here. This is not the big F word. It is the secondary or tertiary F word. Uh, but nevertheless, 
I, I hesitate, but I, I have to do it because this is verbatim now. Now get this, get this. According to the report, Ivanka Trump, that is the, pre, uh, the president's daughter, Ivanka Trump farted and blamed it on someone else. Oh my goodness. I, outrage. Everybody knows you're supposed to blame it on the dog, Ivanka, for heaven's sake. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not kidding. That That is a story. And, and you talk about scratching around for finding negative stories about the Trumps. So imagine if Ivanka Trump is alleged to have done that and blamed it on someone else. Now, I got this notion that, uh, you know, I could sort of picture this at the White House. They're having a reception. And, of course, uh, to be polite, here comes, well, take a world leader. Let's say uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. He comes in. Ivanka says. Good evening, Mr. Prime Minister. Would you like to pull my finger? And uh, then she turns around and says, oops, Rudy Giuliani did that. Uh, so uh, try to blame somebody else on that. Right. I, I don't know. That that really got me. Then you read into the story. It gets down to that she's alleged to have done this when she was in school. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, why would anybody be interested in publishing this? And that's according to a classmate of hers that some uh, described as a posh private school for girls. Right. But uh, there's something there's something funny about that. Two things, Bob, and you probably remember both of them. Some things, scatological what presentations that make you laugh aloud. I've got two. One, of course is uh, this famous uh, scene. Remember the Scooby-Doo movie, the first Scooby-Doo movie? Okay. Okay. Scooby and Shaggy were in a kitchen, and they were having a contest. And the contest dealt with the the matter that we're talking about here, a a, a flatulation festival, which brought me to my knees. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the other thing... That, no, this I I apologize. This is the way my mind works. The other thing that came to mind is historic. This would go back to the 18th century, and Peter the Great, the Tsar of all the Russias, took a tour of Europe. And during that tour, Peter and his entourage uh, visited the the crowd, the, the the big movers and groovers of the, the king, the princes, the royalty, the rich people, landowners, and the like. Uh, were entertained. So they had this big gala dinner at the court of one of these German uh, principalities at the time. And afterward, after this great formal dinner at which the Tsar attended, and everybody had their eye on the Tsar because at that time, Russians were considered to be barbarians. And nobody, they figured here would come the, the, the Tsar of all the Russians. This must be like Genghis Khan, you know, coming and he's going to be wrapped in some kind of furs and smelling to high heaven, you know, the whole thing. But anyway, later, a journalist who was not a journalist, a diarist, one of the the royalty who was there, wrote about this dinner they had. And he said, we were so surprised by the czar and his beautiful behavior, said at dinner, he neither belched nor farted even once. Uh, and so apparently at one time, this might have been quite, uh, what, uh, not rare among the royalty at dinner. And you can just see them sitting around, Louis XIV, you know, in these fancy pink tights and the stuff he wore, you know, raising up one leg. <laughs> All right, let's get to something else real quick here, real quick. We've got 
Are, have, Just, are, you, are you Murphy proofed yet? Have you gotten, well, out, gotten all your supplies? Because it seems like we're getting ready to hunker down, my friend. Well, that, that's a very interesting thing now. Uh, and I had a couple of recollections based on that. Now, these restrictions are getting to be certainly approaching draconian. And we're being told now how many people we can have for dinner. And I don't know if they're telling us yet what we can eat. But one thing that is bothersome about this, even though there might be some shred of, of reason for it, what is bothersome is that this is training us to obey any arbitrary whim of the person in power. We've never had that in this country before. Somebody says, and essentially one person saying, I've talked with experts, so they're involved, but nobody else. This is not legislated. Nobody took a vote on this. It is an arbitrary restriction saying, you shall do this, no more people than this, you will eat here at this time and the like. Now, we are being trained here. Now, I don't know that anybody's saying, okay, hey, let's train everybody. But it fits into the Democratic Party plan, and I don't mean them particular. Republicans would be doing it if they had any power left, but I'm sure it doesn't appear they do. But it, it, it fits into this plan if they become the, the, the one party. Yeah. Population control is going to be very important. And they, I think they're going to use the Chinese Communist Party model whether we are socialist or capitalist or what, for control, tighter and tighter control and more restrictions and obedience to those controls. Now, here's a thought. Uh, I was reading a story. Uh, this was from uh, Kurt Vonnegut, the, uh, the author that I, I quote so many times. I have great respect for his work. He was having a conversation with a German, very famous German novelist named Gunter Grass. And Vonnegut was a prisoner of war, an American prisoner of war to the Germans during the firebombing of Dresden. That is an old story. But he was interested, of course, in Germany and German history, a German ancestry himself. And he was saying to Gunther Gross, how, how did the Germans ever go for this, the Nazis, this, this whole business? How did they ever buy into that? Germany was the, most, the best educated, the most sophisticated, the most integrated country in Europe at the time. All of a sudden, look what they evolved into. And he said, uh, asked Gunther Goss, says, what, is, what is in the German character? What is the flaw in the German character? And Gunther Gross said, obedience. And I just have the, we are tending, in fact, almost the whole world is tending in that direction. Look, look how far the Chinese have gone with it. It's incredible. So anyway, we have the uh, group in uh, is it Morristown? Morristown, yeah, they're going to be a, um, uh, you know, uh, fighting the um, the executive orders this weekend. I think it's uh, what is that Sunday? Uh, we it's called We the People Sunday March in Morristown, uh, mm -hmm. protesting the the overreach of the executive orders by the governor. So uh, I think Heather Darling is one of the organizers. She's a freeholder up in Morris County, so she's going to be involved in that. So it'll be very interesting to see what what the turnout's going to be. And I believe they can get by with the you know the numbers of restrictions because it's a political rally. So I think you get by on that technicality there. You, I missed something. In other words, you are restricted. Except for political rallies, <laughs> political, political rallies, I think, is under that um, exception or uh, heaven's sake, chest or something. It's it, it's it's all kind of that's bad. like the do not call list, which restricted all spam and, and, and uh, 
annoying calls except political callers. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, the group is, I I believe the group is called We the People New Jersey. And uh, my understanding is that they hope anyway to uh, get other groups formed or other people to go along and uh, join the group or become involved in that. Small business is at risk right now. They're, they're oh, yeah. extinct. Um, and you've probably seen that uh, a bunch of uh, towns in Essex County are going to looking to take the governor's orders a step further by doing complete lockdowns, like the 24-hour lockdown. One mayor, I think the Irvington mayor, wants to do an extended lockdown for like uh, four to five days where nobody moves from their homes. So, I mean, yeah, that the, the governor's powers uh, authorizes some local towns to go further when situations warrant. But uh, I don't know. What do you think about this? Is it, a, is it just a haphazard effort? Is it not coordinated well enough? I don't know. What to I have no idea. So here, here is the problem that we have, fundamental problem. The two largest, biggest, most critical events going on in our life, maybe our lifetime, They're going on simultaneously, which, of course, is the epidemic and the political uh, confusion. And we don't know who to believe because everything now has become very, very partisan. Right. Uh, And uh, you you don't. News is suppressed on one side. Uh, Other news is broadcast. It's patently not true. And the people presenting the news are not journalists anymore trying to give us an objective view of what's really going on. They are propagandists or apologists or just ego besotted people trying to make more money and a name for themselves. So you don't know what to believe. Look, look at what's going on uh, in this, uh, uh, the area of, uh, oh, where is the note I have? I'll, I, I shall find, I, I shall go on until I find it. Uh, this election now, which has not been officially certified. This is not a certified election. And so you get kind of like the Democrats now going ahead and and the media, which, of course, is part of the Democratic Party now, when they uh, are doing what I I think in a football game. Remember when the, the team, the offensive team notably does something wrong and they know it. And real quick, before the referee can call it, they get back and start another play because after you've started the play, you can't go back. Well, they've done the same thing now with this presidency and saying, OK, we're just going to jump in and declare that we won and on we go. We don't know that. And so here is one side jumping in, claiming that they have won and going through all the maneuvers in an election that has not been certified. On the other side, you got Trump and his people hunkered down in the White House. There used to be a cartoon thing that appeared on him, bumper stickers in the South years ago. Maybe they're still around. Don't know. Uh, and it was like a little old man in a Confederate soldier uniform sitting in a box, all hunched up in a box. And under it, the caption says, surrender hell. And I think uh, it, it kind of reminded me, remember the, uh, the fall of the... Uh, uh, the the angels from heaven, Lucifer's group. In other words, they lost the election in heaven. God won, <laughs> and they were thrown out. You know, the bad the angels they fell, and once they hit the earth in this desolate place, in order, I guess the angels were who got thrown out were looking around and saying, hey, "What do we do now? I mean, 
we didn't expect this. I mean, Lucifer, you told us we were going to win. We're going to take over. We're going to be God. And he said, finally, he got up and made a speech. And here's the quote from uh, uh, the famous John Milton, Paradise Lost, Lucifer's speech to the fallen angels. He said, all is not lost. The unconquerable will and study of revenge, the immortal hate with courage never to submit or yield. And what is more, not to be overcome. That glory never shall his wrath or might extort from us. Right. So again, I get this picture. You get the one group who are doing the football thing, trying to establish, they're getting squatters rights on the presidency. And the other side is the little old guy sitting in the box saying, surrender hell. You don't know what to believe. It's enormously frustrating. So what do you do? So a lot of fun come. A couple of people are uh, commenting here on the Facebook feed about uh, the lockdowns. Uh, couple of people are inviting us over to their house for a Thanksgiving rally, Jim. Hey, and, beautiful. Uh, they're going to have a funeral for their pet turkey. And, you know, <laughs> so, uh, looks like people are starting to get <laughs> creative. And Joan has a question for us. Who yes. is going to reinforce these lockdowns? The police. But yet they don't stop the rioting, looting and destruction in our cities by yes. the various protest groups. It's crazy. But. Joe, from what I'm understanding and uh, from talking to uh, Dan Alexander, I believe if the police receive a 911 call about uh, somebody violating the uh, the curfew laws and the uh, amount of people indoors or whatever, the police have to respond to that. But other than that, I would be very surprised if the police are actively going to be driving around looking inside your dining room windows to see what's going on and, you know, and, and taking head counts. What do you think, Jim? Do you remember the uh, the runny egg police back in the early 90s? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the New Jersey Department of Health issued an edict that no one in New Jersey can prepare, serve, or consume a runny egg. Right. The yellows have to be cooked entirely. That was a law. That, that was in, in New Jersey, which is us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, the... Uh, the uh, the uh, commissioner of the Department of uh, Health, I believe there was a lady named Hazel Dunstan, if I'm not mistaken, eventually got kind of run out of office because she, as a commissioner of an apartment, was claiming and collecting overtime, which they're not supposed to do. But anyway, that was the law. And, and people actually were concerned that they could be sitting eating breakfast and here'd be some uh, state agent looking in their window. It was never made clear how that would be enforced, except at restaurants. But another interesting thing about this, to get back to this, and that is that uh, the, uh, the 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 restrictions are the what the edict right. includes a plea for people to rat out their neighbors or anybody in their family. Yeah, like a citizen's arrest. Well, that's, something, that's something rather new. Yeah. Um, Dan Alexander wanted me, wanted me to ask you, uh, with your, your longtime perspective, uh, Governor Murphy has compared this crisis to the, uh, the wartime sacrifices that people made back in World War II and the Korean War and things like that. Would you think that's an accurate statement as far as like comparing what people have to do today to compare to what they had to do back in the, uh, the 40s and 50s. What there's you... no comparison to the way people behave. People then knew that there was a reason for all of this. There was no dispute, no doubt, that if the uh, if this country and the, the allied countries hadn't acted the way they did, 
God help us. There was no dissent. Uh, and and now, of course, I, I, I do notice that there's a tad of dissent about some of this stuff. I uh, now I, I don't because how would he know he wasn't there? And so, you know, speaking of that, if I could digress from that a second, I had somebody ask me yesterday and I thought it was a very interesting question. And I guess this is one of the things that happens to you when you stick around on the planet Earth for a long time. And this was a person uh, whom I respect, highly intelligent person, who is, uh, my guess, is somehow in their 50s. And I was surprised by the question because I was saying, well, don't you remember? But he said, how would you compare what's going on today and the uh, dissension that we had in the 60s? And but it's it's a valid question. Remember that we did have back in the 1960s. We had the, uh, the what the flower power movements. Right. We had uh, the anti-Vietnam War effort going on. We had revolutionary gangs. We had race riots in the cities. Uh, I I was kind of uh, stumped for an answer there for a while, but it occurred to me. The biggest reason is back then I don't remember the implacable uh, polarization. Right. that you have now yeah. there at least was some small bit of civility going on and cooperation and you could be on one side or the other of this issue and you would be opposed but there would not be this extent of hatred to the extent of the demand that you be exterminated if you don't believe the way certain people do right. so this has gone way beyond that in my view and i think it is this 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 polarization that does not seem to be at all capable of any what amelioration. Uh, it, it's just hard. It's locked in. It's ossified. It's cemented. Uh, I don't remember that at, anyway. Now I can remember sitting and talking with people, a lot of people, who would be on one side of this. I might be on the other side, vice versa, and uh, it didn't come to getting up and stomping out and yelling and calling names, but it does now. I mean, this thing fractures families, even friendships. If you don't hate Donald Trump sufficiently, I mean, you get thrown out of a class in school. This is absurd uh, what's going on right now. And yet it is we're on the verge of having this institutionalized right now in which this will become permanent. And one party considers itself and may be on the way to becoming the one ruling party. Right. Which, uh, which brings up the uh, the uh, importance of this upcoming uh, runoff election in Georgia for yeah. both Senate seats on January 5th. Um, both sides are gearing up for what is going to be an unprecedented battle, uh, throwing money at this campaign. You're going to see and hear about this election between now and, and January 5th. I mean, it's predicted that you're going to see over a billion dollars thrown at this one runoff campaign because it's going to decide the the control of the Senate, which, to your point, it's going to decide whether we have a one-party rule system or uh, the system of checks and balance will continue to thrive. I would caution the Democrats to tread a little bit carefully uh, how far they go with this power or without it, how far they go to the left, the, these extreme extremists to us left-wing socialistic communist if you want programs because 
Remember, this election was almost a toss-up. Right now, it stands to be very close to a tie, no matter how it comes out. The Congress, the House of Representatives, every member has to stand for re-election in two years. Now, every one of those has a constituency back home. Some districts, obviously, it's going to be overwhelmingly in support of this, but in other districts, not. In more districts are not across the country, it may be a 50-50 split in the voting population. So this guy has to pander. He has to do a dance to pander to both sides of this. So it is not to his advantage, any congressman, it's not to their advantage to go along with extreme left measures or anything that would appear to be extreme because you could alienate part of your voting constituency back home in the upcoming election. If they go too far to the left, if the pendulum swings too far to the left, the Congress, I believe I would predict, is going to be overwhelmingly kicked out. I don't want to use the word decimation because that's misused, but it's going to be very seriously compromised. There are numbers because there'd be people just it will take one or two things to tip somebody from having voted for the Democrat this time, their representative, to voting for a Republican who would come up in opposition and say, look what's happened. Look what they did. Look how far they got. We're becoming, you know, communists. This is going to you know, the whole business would be very vulnerable to criticism. Right. So uh, I think they, they're going to have to watch that. This uh, just uh, in the short time we have left. One of the things that is enormously confusing, Bob, as you know, is what is going on with this opposition now, the, the Republicans or the Trumpists challenging the vote, the legitimacy of the vote. Some of the things that they are alleging, I think, are probably overblown. Uh, I think I read a story about uh, what Giuliani, the attorney, the uh, president's attorney, trying to plead a case in Pennsylvania before an appellate court and sort of made something of a fool out of himself. Uh, but uh, that was a subjective opinion of the reporter, I guess. But here's one. Here's one that gets you. Uh, this was broadcast yesterday. In the state of Michigan, 3,000 precincts. Now, that sounds like a lot, but in the whole state, it's not. When you consider towns will have several precincts uh, where they count the votes. People didn't vote there, I guess, but where they count the votes. In 3,000 of the precincts, there were more votes cast than the population of the town. And some of them was 100% higher than the population of the town, up to 350 times the population of the town or, or, or the population of that precinct voted, which we would recall everybody to have voted three and a half times. <laughs> Generally democratic. So, uh, but what what are you to make of stuff like that? Yeah, this so, is going to go on and on and on. And in the odd chance, of course, the other side says no. We we won because we said we did, and MSNBC said we did. Therefore, you know, God must want us to have the office uncertified, as I said as yet. But just suppose hypothetically, and, and uh, unlikely as it sounds, the Republicans do come back and say, "Hey, they actually won the election. They get the uh, the when the uh, when the electoral college meets and votes, they win." What happens then? There is going to be such pandemonium in the country because the uh, 
Democratic Party, I hate to keep saying the Democratic Party because I used to vote mostly Democratic, a great respect for them. Most of them still do, except the leadership, I guess. But, but and these twits who seem to be running it now to the left. Uh, but the party already has their goon squads mobilized and ready, as we saw right after the, uh, what was it, Saturday, the rally, the Trump uh, support rally they had in Washington. Oh, that was just disgraceful. God, the violence. And yet the media does not report that. Uh, Rand Paul, the senator, was in there, down there. He said, heard him say, at least on you know, the tube, he said that he saw this, he saw it going on. He was close enough to see these people getting sucker punched and beat out, you know, older, middle-aged people because they were supporting Trump. And he said he looked for it. He said, OK, how am I going to get coverage of this? So we'll go to Associated Press. He said Associated Press has generally not been partisan. But he said, lo and behold, they were not reporting it as who the factions were. They were simply saying there was this event going on. They never said who started it, who was doing what to whom. So they covered it up. So everybody has covered this up. Now, you've got this. Uh, what is it? Antifa, the, the fascist, anti-fascist bit, which is really funny. But that again, see, that is part and parcel of the package of any dictatorship is to blame the victim. And so you can tell what they're doing when they suddenly start blaming somebody else for something. You can know pretty well they're the ones who did it. But this is this is very equivalent to uh, Hitler's what Sturm Arbteilung, which was called the, the brown shirts, Hitler's bully boys, they were known, which started off back in the 20s. You see pictures of them riding around in trucks, you know beating up people, intimidating, intimidating factor. They're simply thugs. Although they wore uniforms, these cowards simply put hoods on. Right. I, I think they're actually really uh, right-wing uh, supremacists who found out they can go to jail if they beat somebody up. And you put a hood on and say, I'm a liberal, you can go out and beat hell out of everybody and get away with it. So, uh, yeah. so it's uh, before we wrap here, I, was, I just want to say it's just too darn bad that uh, social media got scolded by that Senate committee uh, for uh, for exercising their own censorship on their uh, platforms prior to the election uh, about the story involving Hunter Biden and that we never got to hear the full story about that, both sides of that. Too wow. bad that that um, happened. And I think everybody, no matter who you voted for, should feel very, very angry that your 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 um, your information is being censored and your opinion is being directed and you're not oh, yeah. to make your own decisions freely with a good uh, objective a bit of information on both sides well the possibility exists that we will not be able to do this very deeply into the next administration because not that the government may not come out and say no more conservative broadcasting or people who do not hew to the party line but the mediums, the media carrying these vehicles may censor them out. And any speech that does not conform with the party line, the uh, what the at this the liberal party line, I think we can say, uh, is that's going to be labeled hate speech or, or untrue or something, which is already being done. It's being done right now. So yeah, that, that, that's a scary thing. Yeah. However, they did give enough money to this administration. Uh, they paid their money. They get what they want. They, they, they go without any sort of regulation, which eventually, logically and reasonably, these, these organizations should be regulated. Yeah. But they're not. 
So yeah, and we are we are getting the the bad end of the stick here. <laughs> so uh, never forget that's the uh, that's what I feel. Hey, uh, before we wrap, just quick uh, quick plugs. Uh, check out nj1015.com. A lot of great articles this week about the uh, pending lockdowns and. You know, Bill Spady has got a great article. You'll love the title, Jim. Not New York, not Philadelphia. Embarrassed to be New Jersey. <laughs> so we've got to read that. And Dennis uh, Malloy and uh, uh, Jeff and Bill and, and Steve, they all have, and Judy, they've got, all got a lot of great articles. So check those out uh, between now and next week. We will be here, as, uh, as usual, next uh, Thursday, Thanksgiving morning. So uh, 10.30, we'll be here. That's when the show gets released. So... Until then, I hope you have a great week, Jim. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and uh, you know maybe you'll invite me over for a, a protest rally at your house on uh, Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> Just keep your distance. <laughs> Ivanka Trump's around. Keep her distance. I don't want to. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Namaste. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.